Amen and amen. Praise God. We began a series last week entitled The Gifts of Christmas. Last week, we opened up the gift of what? Thank you. Just checking your memory there for a moment. A little hesitation, but I'm sure you remembered it with the reminder. Uh, We talked about the gift of peace last week. So today we're talking about the gift of joy. You know, it's amazing during this time of year to uh, stop and realize that although many of us are just having a blast during this time of year and enjoying every moment and every second of preparation for Christmas Day and all the things that go along with that, you know, there are a lot of people that are facing despair, adversity, all kinds of adversity all kinds of challenges in their daily life. But the truth of the matter is, and this is only designed this morning to be an uplift and encouragement to us, the truth of the matter is that the Bible teaches us that we can experience joy regardless of the situation. That we can actually experience true Christmas joy in the midst of turmoil. It doesn't make sense in the natural. The only way it makes sense is to know it's Jesus Christ. And we will see this morning the keys to opening up this joy gift and making sure that not only we experience it, but that we also share it with other people. Can we just take a moment and remember how joy is featured in the Christmas story? Uh, This is not some attempt to force a message of joy about joy into a a, a Christmas series. It's a very natural fit because of the Word of God. Can I remind you of a story without reading the entire text that's found in the end of Luke chapter 1? We're going to look at two quick Christmas stories, the end of Luke chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 2. This is the story of Mary following her visit with the angel, Gabriel, who announced to her that she was going to bear and conceive the Messiah. We know what a shock that message was, right? So she was kind of like, whoa, she was reeling from that. And then we know that she made a trip to see her cousin, Elizabeth, right? She went to see Elizabeth, so she has conceived Jesus just some time before. So she makes a trip to see Elizabeth, who was also pregnant, a little bit farther along, And she was carrying who? John the Baptist. All right? So two pregnant women coming together, right? That's always interesting. Uh, Plenty of drama there. But anyway, these two pregnant mothers come together. And when Mary came into the room, Elizabeth greeted her. And the Bible says that on the inside of her, John the Baptist, that unborn child, that would take me into another little diatribe on on life. But anyway, I won't go there this morning. But, but the unborn John the Baptist on the inside of Elizabeth, the Bible says, did what? Leapt, jumped with joy. John the Baptist was having a joyful experience in Elizabeth's womb. Why? At the very presence of the Messiah who is on the inside of Mary. You know, all it takes is contact with Jesus to release joy. Amen? That is the truth. And not only did John the Baptist leap with joy, but at that moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, that's the way to get filled, isn't it? 
Just more of Jesus. More of Jesus. And so we find here at the follow-up to that, I mean, they're having a wonderful time, and the Holy Spirit gives Mary a song of praise that she sings. And it's several verses uh, there together. It is commonly referred to as the, the Magnificat. And uh, that is because this phrase here, which we find within the text, says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, in the Latin version of this verse, the word glorify is written and interpreted, translated as magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. That is where uh, many have celebrated this in many different ways, but it is the same word, uh, uh, magnificant, that the, the word glorify, magnify is speaking of, and it is celebrated in many different ways at this time of year. But it basically is speaking of the experience that Mary had and how grateful she is. She is uh, she is basically glorifying God and praising God in this song and speaking about how her soul just wants to magnify the Lord. That was her heart. Notice the emphasis here on joy. She said, my spirit is rejoicing. You know, sometimes we're not rejoicing in our flesh, but our spirit can rejoice. Yeah. Yeah. That's where spirit, that's where joy originates, down in our spirit. She says, something's going on here. This is great to hang out here with my cousin and, and, and to see what she's just experiencing. I'm just overflowing with praise. So we see the emphasis of featured joy here in what is preceding the Christmas story. Then, of course, we know in Luke chapter 2, the story continues, doesn't it? And these are some of the verses that are traditionally read during the time of Christmas. And uh, I'll just, on your screen are only a couple of verses, but I'll start back in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, these, these are, this is the message from the angel, listen to this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. Say that phrase with me. Good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, this is a wonderful verse but I want to focus you in for a moment on that one phrase that the angel speaks. He says, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. By the, word, the way, the, the word here for great, a, a word that modifies joy, is the same word we get our English word mega. So it's literally saying, today, he, he's, the angel is saying, I'm giving you good news. It's good news about what? Of mega joy. The idea of mega joy means great joy. It's the Greek word mega, which means exceedingly large, loud, and mighty. 
It's a superlative. It is the ultimate superlative. It's the superlative of the greatest degree that could be offered to describe this joy message. It's an, I've got a message. I've got good news to share with you. And it's a message of what? Mega joy. I could stand some mega joy. Amen? How about you? Right? And so we find here the celebration of joy. And the angels were proclaiming this joy. And we see the whole Christmas story dotted with this attribute of joy. Now, here's what I'd like to do this morning. Maybe take a little bit of, of a different approach. Just for a quick moment, I want to remind you of some observations that the Bible teaches us about joy. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to be joyful and how to share it with others. Christmas is a time of sharing. So I want to talk to you about that. But first of all, let's just remember, most of you are well-informed and well-taught about the subject of joy. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, uh, John is in his letter and he concludes his introduction of the letter by saying this, we write this to make our joy complete, to make our joy complete. It's a very interesting phrase, but it speaks there of the fact it's, a, it's an idea of ministry to help your joy those that are receiving the letter, but it was also, as I'm writing to you, as I'm giving you this wisdom from God, the Holy Spirit is giving me these words for you, it's releasing joy in me. John appreciated the power of joy. In John chapter 15 and verse 11, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's, it's, it's amazing the similarity and the parallelism between this phrase and the one we saw last week about peace. Look here what Jesus says about joy. He's speaking to his disciples and he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's not enough just to have a, 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 a nanosecond of joy. It's not enough to just have a little, a, a small portion of joy. God's intent, as is proclaimed by Jesus here, is that we would have complete joy, great joy on the inside of us. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, where we've learned about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and one of those fruit aspects is what? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, number two in the list. However you slice it, regardless of the emphasis, and we could go on and on to look at scriptures that speak to the subject of unspeakable joy, but however you slice it, joy is essential to living if it's the kind of living that we really desire. Joy is essential. And, candidly, it's in short supply. I think sometimes as I uh, interact with people and observe people in a, quite a number of situations, I think people are sure grumpy. You know, it makes me want to go and you know, t hand them the book of How the Grinch Stole Christmas or something. You know, I'm thinking, you know, it's amazing how grumpy people are. Not just around this time of year, all the time. I mean, it doesn't take much to get someone to start venting their frustration, their anger, their resentment, their unhappiness about things in general. Even born-again Christians. Did you know that joy should be one of the clear marks of our salvation? If there's one thing that ought to set us apart and make us different from others that don't know the good news, it ought to be what? Our joy. Our joy that simply distinguishes us as the people of God. 
joy is something that we all acknowledge. It's important. And I imagine all of you could use an infusion of joy even during these pre-Christmas moments. You and your friends and your family would be enriched to receive and open up the gift of Christmas joy. So now let me share with you how to be joyful and share it with others. Just really some simple guidelines. Let me give to you six guidelines that will be simple and easy to apply. And I really mean that, easy. I'm sure most of you have flown, traveled by air, and uh, during the safety uh, message, whether it's uh, by tape or whether it's done live, uh, in the message, they'll always talk about some of the safety procedures, and they'll talk about, you know, should we lose cabin pressure? And what does it say will happen? There will be mass that will drop down above you, and it always then adds this, saying what? Just put on your own mask first. Right, Gary? Isn't that what they say? Put on your own mask first, and then you can help others, your children, whoever, then you can help others with their mask. There is nothing more true about that statement than what we're going to talk about this morning. Before you can help others with their joy mask, hopefully it's not a mask, uh, with their joy, you need to make sure you put on your mask first. You can't really minister effectively to other people unless you are experiencing it yourself. So it's not enough just to proclaim, oh yeah, this ought to be a joyful time. Are you experiencing it? And are you living it? So uh, I, I promise you, this is, a, this is surprisingly easy to walk out, but we have to do it. All right? So let me give you these six guidelines. Number one, choose joy for yourself. Sounds simple, doesn't it? We know the story in the book of Acts in chapter 16 as the apostle Paul and his buddy Silas are in the city of Philippi pioneering a church. I won't go back and retell the whole story, but the end of their their preliminary conversions ended up getting them in trouble with the authorities. And they were placed in prison. You remember the story, don't you? They were placed in a Philippian jail and they were pushed down into the darkest part of the dungeon and they were bound, they were beaten, and left in there. And of course, you know, that's a strange feeling when you think, God sent me here. I think most of us would say, God, are you sure? You, am I in your will? Did I, did I make the right decision to come here? Uh, we've already had pretty good results, but what are we doing here in prison? It could make you really question and doubt your calling, right? No, no not Paul and Silas. No, the Bible tells us that as they were there nursing their wounds, if you will, physically, they decided that the best way to behave was to what? To rejoice. And they simply started singing hymns to the Lord and praising God so long, it says it actually went up until midnight. Sometime around midnight, their singing service was interrupted by an earthquake. But I want you to focus on the fact that Paul and Silas and those that were with them were singing joyfully. You know, when you just got through getting beaten, you don't feel like singing except maybe the blues. You don't feel like singing for joy? That's a horrific experience. There was physical pain. These were 
inexplicable circumstances, wondering how in the world, what is God's plan in the midst of this? And yet they chose to rejoice. I think what some of us need to do when we find ourselves in a fix and in a jam, in a difficult circumstance, and whether, no matter what's going around us, we need to recall the good news of great joy. And we need to follow the first step is simply to choose joy. Sometimes we think joy is like this spiritual, supernatural gift that floats in and settles down upon us. Oh no, it's something you simply have to choose on a regular daily basis. Choose joy. It is a spiritual practice and discipline to choose joy. Now, ironically, and a lot of people never make this connection, in Philippians, the book, the letter that was written to the church at Philippi, which Paul was in the process of founding in Acts 16, where he was put in jail. So later, the church is established, and he writes back to the Philippians, and it's interesting what he chooses to say to them. You know what he says? Rejoice always. In whatever circumstance you find yourself, rejoice. Can everybody just say rejoice? Rejoice. Rejoice. In other words, rejoice, really, if a good definition of rejoice is choosing joy. Paul's saying here, rejoice, and he, he clarifies it's regardless of what's going on around you. When? Only when things are going well? No. Only when people are speaking kindly of you? No. He says rejoice when? Always. Always, in whatever circumstance, we are to rejoice in the Lord. It's not based on circumstances. It's a choice that we make, much like choosing love. And so we find this strong admonition to rejoice in the Lord always. Choosing joy should be a spiritual discipline that we all put into practice. Remember, you've got to put on your mask first before you help others. So then the second step is find the things that bring you joy. Now, this is, this is going to sound kind of maybe not really spiritual, but it is. I think we need to figure out and to actually focus on the things that cause us to have joy in our heart. Stop and reflect on this. See, we each have what I will call this morning a joy tank. All right? And it's a joy tank that is measurable, quantifiable. And you can measure whether or not you have a little bit of joy or whether you're half full of joy or whether you've just refilled your tank of joy. Figuring out the things that refuel your joy tank is a helpful guideline for experiencing more of the joy of the Lord. I've been guilty, as maybe some of you, in spending too much time on trying to accomplish things and not enough time just enjoying. God's been speaking to me all this year. This is just for me, not for you. For me. The Lord's been speaking to me all year the same thing. He's had to correct my path many times on it. He's saying, son, just enjoy the ride. I think, well, I can't, I, you know, there's too much going on. I can't enjoy the ride. What do you mean enjoy the ride? Just enjoy the ride. And it's been a struggle to when you're real do-oriented. How many of you here are do-oriented? It's a struggle 
to make sure that we are being, not just doing. Because doing flows out of being. Be joyful. And the way we're joyful is rooted and grounded in who we are in God. But there's some things that I've been doing to try to uh, not focus on getting things done, but filling my joy tank. Can I just share with you a few things that I enjoy? This is just me. I'm not suggesting these activities for you, all right? So don't leave here saying, obviously we're supposed to start doing this. No, no, no. This is, this is just me revealing the things that bring me joy. And, and it's not an exclusive list, but uh, some good things. A moments of intimate prayer can really release, I found joy in my life. Special times. It doesn't have to be just on special occasions. Just time with my family. Time with Carrie. Time with my sons and daughter-in-laws and grandchildren. Just time with them. That always seems to refuel my tank. And uh, I said to someone recently, they said, how did your recent Thanksgiving go? And they knew that we had our family in from south of Atlanta, Josh and Marina and their girls. And they said, how was your time? I said, oh, that was great. They stayed with us six days, and I got my granddaughter fix. Uh Esther, you know what I'm talking about? That grandfather, grandmother fix. I got it. Now, I was ready for him to leave probably, but but I got my fix. You know what I'm saying? I I got that fix. So time with family. Uh, Some other things. A good adventure-oriented movie. I enjoy it. I know you're saying you are really out to lunch. I'm just being candid with you today. A great Christian leadership conference, a great leadership conference. I don't attend many, but I always am very selective about what I do attend. And a really good one, well done, good me. I'm, I really find that that fills my joy tank. Um, a walk in nature, just knowing who God is and his creation brings joy to my tank. Good food, that brings other tanks are filled by that as well, but (laughs) sometimes too much. Good food, travel, mentoring young, teachable Christian leaders brings me joy. One of my greatest joys is to see those that I invest in and pour into achieving, accomplishing, bearing fruit. That's a great joy filler for me. Another joy filling experience is making new friends. Um, the problem is sometimes maintenancing those friendships, but I really enjoy making new friends. Carrie has often said to me, we'll talk about someone and we're, we're conveying something. We'll say, oh yeah, you know, we, I'll be talking. I'll say, yeah, they're good friends. And Carrie will say to me after we leave, she'll say, good friends. We spent two hours with these people recently. We just met them and now you're describing them as good friends. I'm, yeah. It's just the way I'm wired. I'm like, oh, it takes me is a couple of hours. I'm good friends. I feel great. We're, that's wonderful. But it brings joy to me. Carrie takes her a few months of those kinds of things, and then she really warms up. But for me, I'm there right, real quick. Gets me in trouble sometimes, too. But anyway, uh, one more. I'll just throw in one more here to close. Uh, watching a victorious Dallas Cowboy football game. Just, just sorry, Leander. I, just, I had to say it. I, Notice I said victorious. It's, it's kind of the opposite of that when it's a losing season. But anyway, we 
I have plenty of those. All right, so what I want you to do is you take a moment and jot down your list. Now, maybe even before the day's up, because you're going to forget. Take a moment and jot down a list of tank-filling experiences, practices that bring you joy. And then just practice the discipline of finding joy, because then and only then will you be able to give it out to others. Number three, third guideline, is learn to enjoy God. This sounds, this sounds so simplistic. It is so weighty. I find that a majority of Christians know God by relationship because they know that they're saved, forgiven, but they have never entered into a place of actually enjoying God. Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan preacher, revivalist, is known for making this statement. We were created to enjoy God now and for all of eternity. Friend, you don't have to wait to get to heaven to start enjoying God. He is good. Amen? He is good. He's a good, good father. He wants you to enjoy him in fellowship, in his presence. He wants you to be experience and enjoy his presence. It's not a threatening thing. It's not a foreboding thing. It should be a joyful thing. Amen? Look, I know this is simple, and I know it may seem radical. Some may call it revolutionary, but I believe that this is the actual heartbeat of Christianity. It's actually a very deep theological point, but I'm not trying to go theological on you this morning. It's all about relationship with our Heavenly Father, the true lover of our hearts. That's what it's about. May I just share with you a, a, a deep but profound statement by C.S. Lewis who writes, surprisingly, about the subject of joy and the joy of God. Listen to what he said. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are, the delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some beautiful mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people you care for don't care about what you see. To hear a good joke. You have to find someone to share it with for it to truly be enjoyable. The Scottish Catechism, C.S. Lewis quotes, says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's a part of an early creed. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. I'll say that again. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Learn to just enjoy 
your walk with God. Enjoy him. Number four, fourth guideline, affirm others. Now, now I'm shifting here on number four. So the last first three have had to do with you choosing joy, making sure that you become joyful. And then the last three are putting the mask on others. All right. How do we share what we've discovered in this important gift of a joy? Affirm others with your words. When you tell others, when you verbalize what you value and appreciate about them, about the good that they did, about who they are, what you've observed, when you select the positive in people's lives and the potential in people's lives and you affirm that, you're building joy into their hearts and also your own. Mark Twain once said, he said, I can live for months on one good compliment. Sometimes we're starved for words of affirmation and encouragement. Knowing someone's love language is helpful to know how can I infirm their, them the most by tapping into their love language helps us a lot to minister affirmation and joy. We all know that our words are important. King Solomon emphasizes it in the well-known verse in chapter 18, verse 21, that says what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can go either way with it. You can either, through what you say to people, you can destroy them, you can bring them down, you can wound them, you can hurt them, or you can what? You can bless them. You can build them up. You can bring them to a new place of joyfulness by what you say to one another. I hope that you'll think of someone that you can affirm. I find that I actually have to premeditate my affirmations. Uh, maybe I'm just slow, but I find it's helpful for me to consider what I want to say to someone to where it's not just, it's okay to be spontaneous, but if I plan my affirmation, it comes out a whole lot better. I know it may sound strange, but even in my, in my marriage relationship, I, I, I realize many times we get really casual with one another in marriage, don't we? And we're encouraging and affirming everybody else except for our bride or our groom. But I have to actually say, okay, I'm on the way home. I'm going to see my sweetheart in just a moment. What can I say? I actually have, I premeditate it. Because if I don't, sometimes it's not good. <laughs> Come on, someone say amen here this morning, all right? Don't leave me alone in this, all right? All right. So premeditating that is, I think, very helpful, at least for me. Number five, fifth guideline, discover what gives others joy. Looks like I have the wrong text there. Let me see if I did it right. All right, just listen to what I'm saying there. I apologize that that's replicated. Discover what gives people around you joy. What I mean is this. Support the discipline of practicing joy and sharing it by prying a little bit into people's lives. Find out what, we talked about the joy tank, find out what fills up someone else's tank because likely it's different than you. So I share with you some things that fill my tank, but I can't assume everybody gets their tank refilled their joy tank, the same way I do, right? Everyone's different. So in relationships, it's great for me to try to work at discovering, Nick, what, what really fills your joy tank? And he's going to tell me something. I'm going to go, wow, 
You know, I know people that are marathon runners that run all the time. I don't. And they tell me that just running, the practice of that level of exercise releases all kind of joy in their tank. And I say, I'm glad it does for you. It kind of does the opposite for me. But go for it. Let me encourage you in your marathon. Find out what fills the tank for other people. And when you discover that, it helps you to share joy. Listen to their stories. Flat out ask them. You don't have to do any guesswork. Just ask people, what brings you joy? What really floats your boat? What really makes your day? What are the things that really bring joy to your life? Ask them questions that will lead them to open up and share. Listen to their dreams. It's not a burdensome responsibility. It's a delight to bring joy to those around us. Pastor Andy Stanley from Atlanta says this. I love his statement. He says, do for one what you can't do for all. So a lot of times we think, man, I can't, I can't wear this burden. This is like, wow, man, that's a big responsibility. No, just start with one. Do for one what you can't do for all. Share joy whenever you recognize the opportunity. The more you practice, the better you'll get at it. Let's look at the final guideline for discovering joy, but also sharing it. Point others. Point others around you to something bigger. You might say, what are you talking about? What is bigger that can bring us joy? One of my core values is whenever I connect with someone, meet someone, even if it's for a passing 30 seconds, I want them to leave me better than they were when I met them. In other words, I want to find value in someone. And sometimes I have to dig for a while. Find value in them and try to leave them off better. Point people to bigger, more uh, powerful things in their life. A lot of people are living, uh, they're settling for minor victories, minor things that bring them joy. Help to, one thing we can do for one another is help point one another to things that are bigger and more important. Some people need to be pointed to Jesus, right? They've never discovered that Jesus is the key and that there's actually joy when you come into salvation. You experience that. That releases joy. Sometimes it's helping people to encourage them towards a cause, help them to discover a cause that they can give their life for. People are looking for purpose. People are looking for things that are meaningful. Help point them towards that. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a particular scripture that you can point them to that breaks uh, them free or that shines light into their dark experience. All of these are ways that we can unleash joy in others and help push them far along in their joy experience. You see, all of us, for all of us, it's not about just getting things done this Christmas. It's not about checking things off your list. What it's about is the joy 
that comes from a right relationship with God. And not only receiving it, filling yourself, and then sharing it with others. It's funny how when you watch for joy, when you choose joy, when you seek joy, then it is really easy to give it out. And once you give it out, you'll be shocked how it always comes back to you. The gift of joy is one of the greatest Christmas gifts that anyone can offer you. Would you stand to your feet? As our prayer teams come forward, I want to challenge you today to choose joy. If you're here today and Jesus is not your source of joy, you don't have a personal walk with him, we can help you in that. Those ministry and prayer teams that are coming forward are here to pray for you regardless of your circumstance and situation. If you need prayer this morning, I know we had a moment of ministry earlier in the service, but I encourage you to come forward and let them pray for you. Let them minister to you. There's power in agreement in prayer. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning and just ask you to be honest with yourself and with God for a moment. As I said, this time of year not only brings out happy times, but many times it brings out loneliness, despair, difficulties. Sometimes because of memories. Sometimes because of past Christmases. There's all different kinds of reasons. But can we just decide today that we're going to choose joy? The same joy as we've been today. You, you know, we've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You agree? When we come into contact with Him, shouldn't joy, shouldn't we leap for joy? Just like baby John the Baptist. When we just come in contact with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, it ought to cause something to leap inside of us. And so I want to pray for you, regardless of circumstance, that you'll today find a full tank of joy. Amen? So if you're here today and you say, I need a refill, I need some refueling on joy, just raise your hand real quickly. I, I, I can stand some refueling on joy. All right, put your hands down. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. And there's also joy in the name of Jesus. There is unspeakable joy that we see expressed in the Christmas story. Both in Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Mary. Also in the life of the shepherds and the angels. So today, Lord, we choose to be joyful. You tell us when we face trials and difficulties we are to consider it joyful even though it's not so lord we just say right now we're gonna choose joy today we choose jesus joy to fill our hearts i pray for a refilling of our tanks today Lord, let us leave this place here today rejoicing in God, our Savior, enjoying you in our relationship with you more than ever before. Oh, Father, today, help us to be transmitters of joy. Help us to convey the joy of the Lord to others. Help us to pass this gift of joy on to others as we have received it.
Now, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship today in spirit and in truth and to receive your life-giving words. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask that you come forward. Ari's going to come. He's just going to speak and declare blessing over your life, over your household, and then you'll be dismissed. All right. May the God of peace fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the eyes of our understanding be opened to the richness that is in him. May we walk in the abundance of his presence overflow with his joy in Jesus name you are dismissed amen